Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new TalkSport listener community. It's a place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit TalkSport.com slash dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. Ingalu to me, is really relaxed. I think it's dangerous for Anthony Joshua, this one. My obligation isn't to a promoter, it's not to a fighter, even though I love the fighters. My obligation is always to the audience. We talked to Frochi about this generational uh, set of, of, of fights. See that Frochi bit there, just dropped it in. Uh, am I allowed to call him Catman now? Is that... No, you're not allowed to oh, call right, him Catman, because okay. he's a serious expert <laughs> pundit, and he doesn't <laughs> want to be called Catman. <laughs> he's, he's, he's right? right. And I'm looking at him, and he's a big, super lightweight anyway, and I go, He's outgrown the weight. I've always thought that Usyk could be a nightmare for him. Do you? I've always thought that. Welcome to episode 61 of Talk Boxing with Simon Jordan, Spencer Oliver and who I consider to be the best voice in boxing, the expert that is Adam Cantrell. That's very nice kind of you to say. But then again, yes. I get to spend a lot of time with Spencer, so oh. it's a f***ing low bar. Like, <laughs> nice to see you, mate. And, and you, mate. Um, you your meal. Following on from some a little bit of controversy uh, last week that got you into Frank Warren's bad books. By the way, got any letters from Frank recently? I have not. Didn't think you would. This discussion that you had about the cut yep. and the controversy and the ill feeling that's sort of arisen from your observations, walk me through your version of events. In, in what way? Well, in what aspect? They're talking about, uh, Frank got very irritated about you questioning the integrity of the imagery or his perception. Because what seems to happen is there's something that people say yeah. and there's something that other people hear. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And the allegation I understand is that you questioned A, the validity of the cut, but more, more, more pertinently, the timing or the dates of these pictures and you didn't know where they yeah. were from and what they were about and frank's gone hang on a second i've told you when those pictures are so why are you questioning my integrity which is why he's got the <laughs> thing to some extent alongside the fact that anyone dares criticize his cash cow yeah all, all from my opinion all, all i did on the day was report the facts we were told that he had a cut yeah we're told that he was off uh, february 17th which was all true uh, and we were at the time of me going to air on that, we were waiting, of course, uh, for a rescheduling and what have you. Off the back of that, obviously, you go on social media, you see there's a major fan backlash. Mm -hmm. Fans are doubting the situation. Which the is how you framed it, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly yeah. that. It, wasn't yeah. a, it was never, ever my opinion. It was a case of, listen, if you're a fan and you're out there and you think to yourself, this smells a little bit fishy because you were promised it on December 23rd, that fight didn't materialise. You promised it on February 17th, it's now not materialising. And obviously now we know that it's going towards uh, May the 18th. May. Yeah. When you're consistently inconsistent, yeah. you lose credibility. Say, yeah. Yeah. So therefore people obviously are well within their right to doubt. And also, I also went on to say that 
Tyson Fury's got to accept that if he's going to get a backlash off fighters off the back of what he said about David Hay when David Hay pulled out of mm -hmm. their fight via via cut, then he's got to he's got he's got to experience that. But I always finished that point by saying it's a cut. Yeah, he's out. These things happen. It is what it is. Just in fairness to the to the observation, mate. Though, is there was there any material benefit in questioning the the dates or the likelihood of these pictures? Is there is that not really like a bit of a red rag to a bull with a benefit of hindsight? Yeah, probably with a bit of hindsight, that probably is a red rag to a bull. But there's nothing that I've said there that is factually inaccurate. There was no timestamp on any of the picture. I was. My obligation isn't to a promoter. It's not to a fighter, even though I love mm. the fighters. My obligation is always to the audience and to represent boxing or fight sports, whether it be MMA that I'm covering, in the best possible light towards the audience. And that is to give truth or my version of the truth and try to give all aspects of the story. I have my opinion. I understand that these things happen mm. all the time in training. But I also understand the audience doubting the situation. As I've said, when you're consistently inconsistent, you lose, you lose credibility. Yeah, because when I heard it, I, I, <clears throat> I listened to you a couple of times because I ended up having a bit of a, a back and forward with Frank about it because I did feel that there's a little bit of a pile on you and a little bit of bullying going on, but that's a different discussion. Um, and I felt that there was a bit of ambiguity because I clearly, when I first listened to it, I don't know what you thought, Spence, mm. I could see that you were characterising it in the social media space, because I saw the comments coming in from fans about, you know, Fury doing this and Fury doing that and, 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 and the general feeling of dis, um, uh, disquiet and unhappiness about it. But I also, it did look like you were wrapping it up as your opinion rather than representing it as the fans. So I can see to some extent why there was this sort of pushback, but also what I'm troubled by, I don't know where you are on this, Spence, is have we moved into a territory in boxing? We touched on it with Carl Foch last week. Yeah. That you can't say anything about a fighter, specifically seemingly with this new phenomenon of Saudi mm. in mm. the background, that doesn't get taken as a criticism that's either unfair or unwarranted. And as a result of it, you get yourself into a problem with these guys. And I don't know, have we changed? No. Or have they changed? Or has, has something changed? I think my understanding of this whole situation was that when this news broke, Adam just questioned, was it legit? You know, was it legit? Because there was rumours circulating. Well, I was, we all knew I was reflecting the audience's thoughts on that. I never questioned that it was legit. I, I said straight away, it's a, it's I, a cut. I think we, you know, we, we, when the news broke, um, we all, all heard the rumours that were, were circulating about Tyson Fury and maybe not going as well as it was supposed to be going in training, not looking as good as he was supposed to be going. So when this cut materialised and Adam questioned, was that, was, is it legit? He's, uh, he was asking the question, is it legit? Is this old footage? This is where we're at. Because mm. this was at the time of the news breaking. Once he got to understand what yeah. it was... He then accepted and said, listen, OK, it happened in training. It was a legitimate cut, but it was just... He threw it out there because, like you say, like Adam was saying there, he was reacting to what the audience were mm. asking because it is the boy that cried wolf, isn't it? Like Tyson Fury back in 2013, you know, when he, when he was boxing David Hay, David Hay picked up that, cat, he, um, that cut. He threw loads, loads of abuse at, at, at David Hay and accused him of all sorts of stuff, so... You know, it's going to happen. It's going to have that backlash. But the truth did come out. We all accepted it. And we all hope that, you know, May the, May the 18th, he gets through the training and that cut doesn't reopen and we get the undisputed fight. But I think at that stage, Adam, mm. I think it's fair to say that you was just questioning, is this legit at this stage? The, the interesting point that you've just made there is 
I do think the boxing sphere seems incredibly sensitive at the moment, and I don't know what the reason for that is. Do you, do you, I mean, look, I know without, without a staggering lack of self-awareness, given the fact this is going to go out on YouTube, I'm going to classify it with the YouTubers, right? Yep. Um, do you not think that some of this stuff is being stirred up by some of the digital boys that are running around, right, taking is. content, misrepresenting it, and winding yeah. people up, and it seems that people aren't bothered to look at what's being said? 100%. What you, people, people, is that because talk sports getting getting itself involved? No, no, no. What, it, what it is, what, we're living in a society now where people just want to reply. They want to be involved in the conversation. They don't actually listen to understand. People are replying to headlines, clickbait headlines on, on social media rather than clicking on the video. Let's watch the video. Let's see what the guy said. Oh, actually, the headline doesn't actually match the actual content that is yeah. out there. And if you, if you look at some of the content in the boxing media space right now, there's very limited amounts of quality content mm. where people are actually doing proper interviews, asking legitimate questions, giving their own opinions, and, and like I said, creating proper content. But, you but what you're finding, sorry to interrupt you, no, but what you're finding is pre the introduction of Saudi Arabia and Turkey Al Sheikh, yeah. bringing all these promoters together. Yeah. On a Monday, you would see somebody do an interview with Eddie Hearn, mm -hmm. and within that interview, there would be a question about Frank Warren. Yeah, yeah. Why are you asking him about Frank yeah. Warren? Mm. Ask him about Eddie Hearn. Yeah. And you're doing it purely to stir the hornet's nest. Yeah. Yeah. And then on Tuesday, there'd be a reaction. Hey, did you yeah. see Eddie Hearn yesterday? Yeah. He said this about you, Frank. And this goes back and forth yeah. and back and forth and back and forth. Now that friction ain't there anymore. So therefore, mm. what are we going to do for, for numbers? Else, yeah. So let's go and, I don't know, let's mm. go and cause some mm. trouble with yeah. me, TalkSport, whatever. Yeah. If you actually look at that interview that Frank Warren's done on that YouTube channel, Frank Warren didn't fully know what I'd said. Mm -hmm. The interviewer didn't fully know what I'd said. And the interviewer doesn't actually ask a question. Yeah. He says, Adam Catterall and Jermaine Pennant were on TalkSport on Friday evening. What's your thoughts on that? Mm, yeah. That's not a question. Do you have an opinion on what I've said? Ask Frank a, a legitimate question. Didn't ask him a legitimate question. I was question. a bit worried when Jermaine Pennant said two plus two equals six. I yeah, I get that. that. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the question about, uh, about maths. About arithmetic. But the whole point of that purely What's the cause friction? I think to create numbers. I think the big problem we've got with the YouTubers is it is all about clickbait. They'll put a, they'll they'll put a title up that it doesn't reflect on what the conversation's been about. Then you see people like Frank Warren or Tyson Fury, and they look at the headline of that, and then they straight away they come down hard on either Adam Catterall, Talk Sport, or yeah. whatever. But it's not a true reflection of what's been said. And I think that's the big problem that we've got is that maybe. The people that are, are, are not happy with TalkSport, Adam Cash or whatnot, they've got to listen to the full interview and listen to exactly what he well, said. Well, that's my point. And that is the big problem. My point is, is that you know, they're, they're, you know, I saw Eddie Hearn do something yesterday where someone, again, had phoned something I'd said, which is a criticism of Tyson Fury, right? which wasn't a criticism, it was just an observation, because if you say anything other than praise, it's mm. called criticism. Yeah. It, but it just happens to be a different opinion. And then it was like, you know, Simon Jordan's criticism of Tyson Fury, and, and Eddie's response was, uh, well, those that criticise can't walk a mile in their shoes. Well, no one's suggesting that we can, but what mm. we're saying is, if you can praise, you can criticise. They seem to be all about, forget about the praise, forget about mm. all the uh, all the, the good things, all said. the good things that are said. Yeah. The moment you come off script, and, yeah. I, and I just think it's Saudi and money, and everybody's worried about not being able to continue mm -hmm. to have their relationships, of course. and they're weaponised against other people. And then you've got these IFL and these digital guys that are running around using other people's names and clickbaiting without any substance. Yeah. And it should be incumbent upon Eddie and Frank and Tyson and Anthony Joshua mm -hmm. to at least know what's said and then go, I'll tell you what, that <laughs> or, well, you know what, fair enough, he didn't yeah, quite agree. say that. And mm -hmm. that's a disappointing thing. By the way, going to this fight with Fury and Usyk, who, who, do, who do you think is going to win, Adam? Look at you. You're trying to cause me even more trouble no, now, no, 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 absolutely not. Um, 
I've always thought that Usyk could be a nightmare for him. Do you? I've always thought. Now hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Um, this is gonna, can, if Tyson Fury can impose his size on Alexander Usyk, yeah. he wins the fight. Mm-hmm. But what we've seen recently, we've only got recent data to go off. We've obviously only seen him in with Ngannou. Yeah. We've seen him in with Chisora. We've seen him in with White. There, his last three. Yeah. And what I've seen, Alexander Usyk is a very, very smart fighter. I'm not saying Tyson Fury mm. isn't. He is. But I think I think Alexander Usyk could cause him an absolute nightmare in that <laughs> fight. If Fury can impose his size, he wins. Yeah. But that's a big if. When you yeah. say going on the data that you've got, well, uh, did, did Usyk cover himself in glory against Dubois then? Right he won. Well, yeah, but did he come from the in glory? Yeah, but apart from the low blow, he won every second of the fight. <clears throat> I don't think that was a low blow. Have you guys just brought me I'm on gonna, here to... I'm, I'm going to get you out of because I think the Tyson Fury wins that fight because I think that Tyson Fury is one of those guys that only gets himself up for the fights that he considers to be a real danger. If, you go, if you're looking back and you're looking at his recent fights and his recent performances against Ngannou, he clearly never trained for that. Clearly, Derek Chisori knows Derek well. Well, they'll dispute that. They'll and, absolutely dispute that. And Frank and, and Fury have and, pushed back on that narrative. Yeah, and also with Dillian White as well. I, I thought he went out there and he just controlled things. Dillian didn't give him any problems at all. Yeah, but yeah but he didn't give him any problems at all. I think that he totally dominated that fight. So, But I think you'll get a different Tyson Fury against Alexander yeah, so do I. I really do, and I think the Tyson and Fury... And Usyk has never fought much. anyone like Fury. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, as, as I said, if he can oppose his size, I, I genuinely believe that the Ngannou thing is kind of a blessing in disguise for Tyson so do Fury. Because so do he's, he's got away with one. Right, let's refocus. Let's get back in camp. By all accounts, he was in tremendous shape. Mm-hmm. I think we might get the version of Tyson Fury that turned up in the second fight against Deontay Wilder. And that's what I think. So given that, yeah. so what you're now backing up now, you think it will be Fury? If he, no, if, if, he, listen. if he turns up in that condition, yeah, if wins. the best version of Tyson Fury... Okay, if the best version mm-hmm. of Tyson Fury turns up against the best version of Alexander Usyk... Tyson Fury wins. Okay. And that's what I think we'll see. Yeah, that's what I, I agree. We'll see. Um, I watched this um, loving yesterday under the auspice of the gloves are off um, <laughs> between Anthony mm. Joshua and Francis Ngannou, Spence. Yep. 
What do you make of it? I thought there was a lot of respect between the two of them, to be fair. I watched it as well. Um, but I think that Anthony Joshua knows what he's going into, and that's where he's, he's got the benefits of that from the Tyson Fury fight. He knows it, and Garnu, if you get Garnu, who's only 0 1 as yeah. a boxer, the guy can fight. Sure, he, he, can. Can, he can clearly no fight there. And Anthony Joshua, see, stylistically, and Garnu really fancies his fight against Joshua because Joshua's one of them guys that likes to come forward. He likes to sit in the pocket, and he, he's a totally different, um, totally, totally di different person to the, the one of um, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is very elusive, he's awkward, he's difficult to pin down. Whereas Joshua, you know what you're getting. It's still sort of like what you see is what you get. He comes forward and it's all one-dimensional and, you know, but he's very explosive. Mm -hmm. But stylistically, suits Ngannou because Ngannou, what he proved against Fury, you'll probably agree with this on me, um, is that when Fury, when Fury punched, Ngannou punched with him. So what he lacks in speed, he made, for, made up for in timing. Now, that's, that's problems for um, Anthony Joshua. Because Joshua's one of those guys that likes to sit in the pocket. He's very explosive. But if Ngannou throws when Joshua throws, anything can happen. So I think that Ngannou clearly fancies the punch. He questioned him, didn't he? Ngannou suggested that he'd seen Fury get up from absolute big shots. Yeah. And he kind of politely suggested that Joshua, that Joshua yeah. wouldn't do that. Yeah. Albeit, we've seen Joshua yeah. take big shots against Klitschko mm -hmm. and mm. dig himself out of that hole. But, but what I took from, from Joshua was that he recognised what he was going into. Although he was there and he, Joshua said to him, listen, yeah, you know, we'll fight and I will fight. I know that Joshua will go safety first in this fight. He won't, he won't, take, he won't make any silly mistakes. He won't take any stupid, stupid chances. I think that Joshua will go out there and he'll box sensibly and he'll try and sort of chip away and try and break Ngannou down for maybe a late stoppage or a wide points win. But that's the way I see him boxing can, safety can I tell first. You, when I was watching it, with no, no discreditation or trying to be so clever with anybody, I sat there watching it thinking, how have we got to this point in elite heavyweight boxing? We know Engano can have mm. a fight, right? Because yeah. he wouldn't have achieved the things he's achieved in the octagon if he can't have a fight. Yeah. Right? So we know that, <clears throat> right? But how have we got to a point where the so-called um, best heavyweight of a generation, mm -hmm. arguably, debatedly, yeah. in Tyson Fury, and now the former two-time heavyweight mm. champion of the world are now fighting a UFC fighter ahead of everybody else mm -hmm. in front of the queue and it's been made into this spectacle they're supposed to have substance I, I sort of sat I sat there scratching my head thinking why is this happening I, I know why it's happening because I'm not going to be overly facetious mm. it's because Saudi money is dictating yeah but how are we accepting this as some sort of meaningful set of circumstances I I think the crossover, I think it's the whole crossover thing. I the, think that there is the an element crossover thing. You've, you've yeah. got, what you've got to do, you've got to accept that boxing isn't a sport. It's a business, isn't it? If, well, it, if, if things yeah. were on sports in merit, then there's absolutely no way whatsoever that a boxing debutant fights the heavyweight champion of the world. That's my point. But it's a business. And right. we have, as, as Spencer just alluded to there, boxing's kind of let itself down for a long period of time where boxing promoters have been telling us that we're getting to the Champions League final on a regular basis, mm -hmm. but really, really we've been getting games out in League Two. And that's been going on forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. And the audiences are getting fed up with it. They're going away, they're looking at MMA. Mm -hmm. I'll go and be a fan of that, I'll go and be a fan of something else. Mm -hmm. And the- But what does it the, tell you? The, the, well, the influencer space has now kind of filled this gap. Yeah. So therefore, <laughs> boxing promoters are looking at, well, hang on a minute, okay, guys with big audiences, let's leverage that in the world of boxing. Okay, put, being put the commercial to side of it to one side, which I can read that room quite easily. Yep. But what does it tell you about the elite heavyweight boxers of this generation? Because we had this discussion last week, yeah. didn't we? And we talked to Frochi about this generational uh, set of, of, of fights. See that Frochi bit there, just dropped it in. 
Um, um, Am I allowed to call him Catman now? Is that... No, you're not allowed to oh, call right, him Catman because okay. he's a serious expert <laughs> pundit and he doesn't <laughs> want to be called Catman. <laughs> he won't have you back. Right. But, but you look back on the fighters that have gone before in the Ali era when you talk about Ernie Shavers, you talk about George Foreman, you talk about Joe Frazier, you talk about all mm -hmm. these elite fighters that were there. And you go to the Larry Hagman, uh, Larry Hagman, he's from Dallas, I think. Um, Larry, um, uh, Larry Holmes era where he didn't get the credit he got but he still fought great fighters. And you yeah. go into Tyson and he fights. Yeah. Tyrrell Biggs and he fights yeah. uh, Michael Spinks and he mm -hmm. fights Trevor Burbick and he mm -hmm. fights whoever else he fights but they're yeah. all really good yeah. heavyweight champions and this generation I now look at it and go how are the best heavyweights being matched against the UFC fighter and all of a sudden we're going oh this is the credit to the boxing world I think it's an embarrassment to boxing it's because we, no, no, you, you wouldn't have a boxer go into the octagon and last five minutes and, and and Carl was saying it last week if I went mm. to the doctor then I don't think I'd last very yeah. long mm -hmm. yeah I, th I think you're right regarding the embarrassment factor I mean the, the most embarrassing situation for me in that whole scenario was when the president of the WBC Maurizio Sullivan awarded a new belt well he, he came out and he said there wasn't any credible opponents in the top 10 yeah so Tyson's yeah. tried to make a fight with this person he's tried to make a fight with this mm. person there's nobody else credible in the WBC top 15 so we're going to allow him to have a non-title fight he didn't defend his belt at all last year. Yeah. But that, that's, that's, a, that's a sad but, indictment, sadly, you, on heavyweight boxing. Listen, you mentioned the business side of things, and boxing is a business side, and Ngannou, you know, wanted to get well, into all the boxing Christmas space anyway, but it's, it's bringing a big crossover. We've got to recognise that we are in a changing of the times, and the, the investment a, of the Saudis... This isn't crossover Simon, space. This is just two Simon, fights and The investment money. of the Saudis are going to get the best boxing the best, and we are going to get the best of the modern generation and the modern era. Well, we'll see, won't we? But had that investment not been made... Do you think that we would have ever seen like Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury or Tyson Fury versus Alexander well, Usyk? I don't believe we would have. Well, I'll answer that question. Depends if there was realistic expectations of what they expect to get paid. Well, that's, like, that's why if you, if you want to sit there and think, if you think sport. it's my job and your job to give Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua 75 yeah. million quid each, then no, that fight probably wouldn't have happened. But it isn't my job. It's the market value. And if you can't get 150 million pounds for a fight, you fight mm. for 50 and 60 million yeah. quid in the UK. And there's something to be lost and something to be gained. The Saudis have every right to do what they're doing. And we shouldn't be begrudging that. But on the flip side of it, they then make the rest of fights look like they're poor fights in terms but, of the economics. And nobody right. wants them unless but, they're fought in Saudi. But what so I'm saying, a, like, a, where, the yin and yang where fighters it. are being protected, especially at the top with the heavyweights, and there's a, the politics of the sport have always broken these fights down like different broadcasters, pay-per-view no, splits. Money, yeah, pay-per-view splits. And that's why the fight's not being made, because he wants 50%, he wants 50%. That's not good enough. I want 60, he wants 40. The fight breaks down and goes away. Saudis have taken that away now because they go, you're getting this phenomenal amount of money, you're getting this. Yeah. So at least we are, like, on the flip side, at least we and are And that's why they're all on stage. See. It's not because yeah. everyone's a brilliant deal maker. Because yeah. if you can walk around a room and go, how much do you want? How mm. much do you want? How much do you like? Yes, 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 yes. Then all the promoters look mm. like they've done a wonderful thing when actually all it yeah. is is people getting paid exactly what they want. But we're, we're, we'll, have, we'll have an era where you're getting the best fight. Well, I hope so. Where, where we, this, we, we'd have missed that. I, I'm sure we well, would have missed so. that. When you go back to like your Ali, Holmes, Fullman, Ken Norton and all those guys, they'll buck the best box the best. I think we will get that of this modern generation now that we have this investment. Well, we'll see. We'll see. What did you take away from Ngannou? I mean, I think all his Christmas has come at once. I, think, I don't think you can quite believe that he's in a situation where he can command and demand the kind of money he's got from being a... And by the way, not just a novice, someone has fought for 18 months and come mm. back from a knee rebuild. Yep. So let's have mm. it right while we're mm. really doubling down on what we're talking about here. Yeah. But Ngannou, to me, is really relaxed. I think it's dangerous for Anthony Joshua, this one, because I think that despite the <laughs> surprise has gone yeah. and the fact that everybody in, maybe not you, I don't know what your view on it, did you think that Tyson Fury was going to walk through Ngannou? He should have done. Should have done. 
right? So then by this logic, do you think Anthony Joshua should walk through yeah, in Ghana? Yeah, he's got more debt to it. Francis Ngannou, I think my takeaway from Francis Ngannou against Tyson Fury is that he surprised a lot of people. There would have been people going into that saying, this guy can punch, he's the heaviest yeah. hitter in the world. Yeah. He's got to punch his chance. And that's it. Nobody's, nobody's got the receipt to tell me that they thought he was going to go in there, no. shape up southpaw, have a wicked jab, great timing off the back foot and stay back foot, not be mm. super aggressive. He showed that he has some serious good fundamentals, keeps his form and there's a lot there. Anthony Joshua is working with Ben Davison, who's a great brain. They'll have seen that. They've now got some data. They've got something to work towards. We now know that this kid can box. There will be a game plan in order for him to be able to go in and do a job on Francis Ngannou. All the things are still there for Francis Ngannou. My experience mm -hmm. of him in MMA is that he's a phenomenal freak athlete. Mm -hmm. Look how he's developed as an MMA guy from just a striker into being able to wrestle and jiu-jitsu and all these types of things. Yep. He will develop. He will definitely be better than what we saw against Tyson Fury. But we're talking about a two-time unified heavyweight world champion, Olympic gold medalist, and mm -hmm. the guy that seems to have got his mojo back. Right. If he doesn't go in and do a job on Francis Ngannou, there's something seriously wrong because that then is a bad indictment mm -hmm. on boxing. We're talking about a guy that's been doing it all his life against a guy that's had one fight and lost what's it. What's the job look like? Yeah. When you say do a job, what's it look I, like? I don't... I Box don't... his head up or knock him off? Ideally, you want him to stop him. Mm -hmm. But we're talking Francis Ngannou, who's a very, very tough man. I, nobody stopped Francis Ngannou in four ounce gloves. So in, you know, in full mm. uh, boxing regalia, I don't think he's going to be able to do that either. Mm. I think he, he should win every single right. round and do it to the extent where at the end of it, eight, nine and ten, we're thinking yeah. maybe he's corner need to pull him out of here because he's getting his head boxed off. I think he does get pulled out. I think that, that, that that's, that's what happens because Joshua goes and he slowly, systematically breaks him down, picks him apart and just doesn't take any stupid chances. And I think that that's how he gets him out of there. He just breaks him down. And you maybe see Ngannou retire on his stall or something. I don't think he'll quit. I don't think he's corner pulling him quitting. out. It's about his corner pulling him out. Yeah. It's not about him quitting. But, it's about... But I just think it's going to be... I think that Joshua will make it... Listen, it's all set up for him lovely, isn't it? Because of the performance he put in against Tyson Fury, you go, it's a win-win now for Joshua because he's going in with his guy and it's all about him doing a better job than Fury done. Yeah. And that, that definitely happens. And I think there's an element of that going on anyway Absolutely. in the Joshua Fury camp, which is we'll yeah. do what you've done, we'll do it better. Yeah. yeah. Which is the question I was going to ask you next about um, this performance against Wallin. You just said that you think that Joshua's got his mojo back. Yeah. Um, and that mojo is the ability to put himself in harm's way and unload, right? Yeah. You think that's back now on the back of that Wallin performance? Are you still sort of, here we go again now with Anthony as a result of the Wallin performance or... Are you in the camp that Wallin wasn't all he was cracked up to be? No, no, no. Um, listen, it was a banana skin. I, I genuinely thought that Wallin would ask him some serious questions. Wallin is coming off the back of that fantastic win against uh, Gassiev. We saw him, what he mm. did with Tyson Fury. He gave him hell in, in Las Vegas. I genuinely think the team up of Anthony Joshua and Ben Davison is working for him. It, I, I don't know what they're doing in there, whether it's just a mental thing, making a few tweaks here and there. We saw the development of Anthony Joshua in the hilarious fight slightly. Yes, it was boring. Yes, it was dull. He mm -hmm. delivers the knockout, but his footwork was probably some of the best that we've mm -hmm. ever seen. He just didn't let his hands go. He got yeah. in there, and then he's like, well, hang on, I'm not, I'm not staying here. I'm, go I'm coming out the back door. Okay, when he did both. When he got in there, he let him go, and he didn't let him go in ones and twos. He let him go in threes yeah. and fours, and we saw the best version of Anthony Joshua that we've seen for a long period of time. It's, 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 a it's, it's absolutely thing. between his ears. It's about confidence in believing in his own ability, and I think that is all it's about with Joshua, and I think that he's got that momentum now. So to answer your question, I think the mojo is definitely back. And I think that Anthony Joshua now believes in himself much more than he did because of the consistency. Because everybody the said it was gone. 
every fighter that I spoke to, um, when I spoke Part to me. Carl, well, yeah, because you're on the payroll. Yeah. No, it's right? not. It's um, not because I when, knew when, I, I was right. Because you can't see now, it well because now, your head's now, buried up and his backside up. Was I right? Well, you may be. No, we'll prove. Admit it. I uh, was right. Well, yeah, but do we, everyone else was wrong, and I was right. Dollars for donuts. If you'd have asked me at the beginning of the year, <laughs> would he beat? <laughs> would, he, would he beat you Jermaine Franklin? Right. Would he beat Helenius? And would he beat Otto Wallen? I'd have said yes to all of them. After, the question still still abounds. Would he beat Tyson Fury? After he beat Franklin, you said he's gone. He's got nothing left. He ain't coming back. There's no. no way I said there's nothing. He's showing no and indication of doing anything wrong. different. I said you're wrong. Well, that's true, and that's yeah, fair. in Sam's defence, the majority of people. I, yeah, I, I was like, I, when I, you watch the Franklin fight and you think... But the point I'm making is, is everybody said it. Other fighters who know more damn sight more than I do, they've been there. Like, ask Ben McGuigan in, in one of the other uh, things I do. He was like, lights have gone out. Ask Carl Froch, lights have gone out. And once those have gone out, they don't tend to come back in and come back on. It's mm. like turning the pilot light off on a boiler and being able to try to reignite mm -hmm. it. You can't sometimes because it's gone. But your guys, you guys are now saying, no, 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 no hold on a minute. This is potentially mm. a reawakening and a reemerging, and I think it's the team up with Ben. He's back. I think, I think it's it, fact. I think it's the thing that he's doing with Ben in that gym. He's swinging his own yeah. ability, mate. But he's yeah. having the confidence to believe but, in it. But he's so, obviously but he's got that back. He's obviously got somebody in that team that has enabled him to find that. Ben Davison has put, pulled it out of and, him, and, and but then he's got to go and, and deliver it, and he did it against Wallin. And now, oh, where we go? Mm. Is that he's active. That in, uh, inactivity That's played a, key, a big part yeah. on you know, give you Anthony that. Joshua's performance. I'll give you that. Spence, what do you think um, of um, uh, Adam's mate Frank is making a, a potentially a fight between Daniel Dubois and Philip Hergovic? Love that fight. I love that fight. Do you know why? Again, it's like, you know, we talk about would that fight have ever happened if it wasn't for the investment of the Saudis? No, definitely not. Why? Because both guys are waiting for that opportunity. and They, they will right. hang out and wait for that world title shot. That is a prime example of where, our, where we are sort of getting the best fighting the best now without the titles and the lines because that fight would never have happened. That is a great fight. And why these titles are all uh, tied up, you know, we've got the undisputed and then we've got like sort of like Joshua in line to fight the winner of that. So the belts, until they all split up, making that fight without a belt on the line, I think is a fantastic fight. I love that fight. That's probably the best fight out there. I, th I think, listen, it's a good fight. Mm. And I think we're getting to the point of when, when Frank says the game has changed, yeah. what I think he's alluding to going down the line is I genuinely believe that sanctioning bodies are going to be eradicated at, at some point. I mean, we're kind of seeing it with this Fury Usyk situation where the Saudi Arabians have made their own belt, haven't they? Mm. Here we go. We've got our own thing here. Why are fighters going to be paying 3% to sanctioning bodies when they don't necessarily need to if the money's on the table and the best are consistently mm. fighting mm. the best? So that means that mandatory situations are going to start to become irrelevant. Hergovic is the number one with the IBF. You've got Zhang, who's the WBO yeah. interim. When are they getting their shot? Turkey Al Sheikh's <coughs> already come out and he said, hang on a minute, Fury Usyk, winner of that's fighting the winner of AJ Ngannou. Yeah. Well, hang on, what happened to the IBF situation? What happened to the WBO situation? I think we might lose the mandatories, yeah, but the belts still stay, stay very think... relevant because the belts are very meaningful and undisputed yeah, and everything else. Yeah. Absolutely, well, and I think that that well, captures the imagination of the sort of casual fan, yeah. if you like. You know, you need those belts and you need those undisputed... Well, it's, the it's the history well, and the imagery and the, the iconography. You're 100% right. But one of the big frustrations when I speak to fans is, I don't know who champion is. There's four guys in every yeah. single mm. division. It's, it's, uh, mm. Who is the guy? If you've just got one single one song in every single division, if that, this is how this is going to play out, then mandatories and all these types of things are going to come out the way. Mm. And I think maybe that penny has dropped with Hergovic because he's thinking to himself... I'm not going to get a shot for at least a year. Go on, yeah. then I might as well have a go at this young mm. book. And what yeah. an opportunity for Daniel Dubois mm. to really punch his ticket. Mm. Mm. Risk for Daniel. It feels a bit like 
that Joe well, Joyce can underperform. Yeah, but Daniel's as well. in that space at the moment, isn't he? Where where he still needs to prove himself. Like he's come off that Usyk defeat, and now he's got he's come back. He's got he's got a good win against Jarrell Miller. You go, but he still needs a big name on his record to sort of get that to warrant that. But this is what we shot. want. We, we, we want these fights. I, totally I, I, I want to look at a fight and go, I don't know who's going to win that. Yeah. I'm sick of going to boxing and going, I know how this is going to play yeah. out. I just don't know. Maybe it's going to happen in the sixth. Maybe it's going to happen in the ninth. Maybe it goes the mm. distance. But that guy's winning. Now I'm going, hang on a minute. Mm. This is good. That's nah, a tough fight. This is well, the reason why yeah. I've sort of threw out the Joe Joyce analogy because Hergovic is the same sort of stature and build um, and physicality as Joe Joyce. And that was a conundrum that, but he's technically that Dubois couldn't deal with. Mm. So my point is, is that is, it, it'll be a big. If he, if Dubois beats Hergovic, it's a big statement. Very big win. I, t- I tell you what, when you look at Hergovic's performance when he boxed Ali Zhang, we was out there for that one out in Saudi. Yeah. He looks like there was two or three times in that fight where he looked at Hergovic and he turned his back and he thought he's going to spew this. He's had enough, and he pulled himself back in there. Yeah. He showed a lot. Of, he he, he, he pulled he, himself back in there in the last four rounds. But there was times in that fight where you thought. He's going to come out of this, but he showed a lot of character in staying in there. And I think that that character is going to cause Daniel problems because the questions are then going to be asked of Daniel and how he comes through those rounds. That's a great fight, it really is. He was, he was going through a tough time there, Hergovic, because he just lost his father, hasn't yeah. he? And, and there was a lot going on outside the ring. I personally thought Zhang beat him yeah. Uh, yeah, on, that, so I on did, that particular yeah. night. But since then, I know we can't really look at Mark Demori as any no. relevant type of opponent. He's a serious fighter, is Hergovic. And yeah. if Dubois can take, the, take I him... I agree then that's a big win. Mm. Um, a fight that I'm really looking forward to, April 27th. Um, the much-vaunted and delayed, but eventually arrived at, yeah. Taylor Kettrell 2. I'm looking forward to that. I've seen the antics in the press conference yesterday. I've seen Sam Jones cranking it up yeah, and yeah, getting yeah. involved. It's great. And obviously, Jack's talking about you know doing memes with scroll-like lists of requests from, from mm. Josh Taylor. It's interesting that Josh apparently picked the fight at 140 here. You've got views on that. Stats, I, I, I have, Simon. Yeah, because if you look at Josh's recent performances um, down at 140, you know, yeah, Lodes, yeah, and, and Jack, Jack Cattrall, you look at that and you go, there's one reason that he's performing like, like he's performing. When you go back to um, uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez mm-hmm. and you look at the performance he put in there and you yeah. go, that was incredible, that performance. And any performance before that, you go, he's a pound-for-pound star yeah. right now. His last Regis couple of performances, his 33-year yeah. Regis Pro Grade 2019, you look at his last couple of performances and you just look at him and go, and I'm looking at him and he's a big, super lightweight anyway. And I go, he's outgrown the weight. He's outgrown the weight and that is affecting his performances. Sam Jones is says, or is it what he says. on the slide? I said, why is he picked 140? He says he can get his excuses in early. Yeah. And my boy gives him an arsehole. No, I think he's picked that because I think his ego has, has made him pick that because... Look, when you look at that fight, I don't know how you scored this, Adam. I don't know how you scored this, Simon. But I had that rep nine rounds to three. And that I was had, sort of I had Yeah, so nine rounds to three. And I'm going... And they were looking at the rounds that went close. I go, I've got to give one to Taylor here because it was becoming too one-sided for me. I thought it was a, I thought it was a clear victory for the catcher. And I think from Josh Taylor's point of view, he goes, if he makes it at 144 or 147, he's never going to get the credibility for winning that fight. Correct. And so he's had to go in at 140. But I think that could be his undoing. Because I think at 140, Cattrall wins again. I, I really admire Josh for doing the, oh, the 140. Because I think whatever people think of him, he is the kingmaker in this particular... He's the A-side. Mm-hmm. And he could quite easily have said, I'm going to 147. If you want it, we're doing it up there or we're doing it some catchers you've just been mm. referring to. Yeah. But all the fans would absolutely be all over him saying, well... You didn't do him at 140 for light, right. did you? you, you you've had to do so it. So he's kind of forced into it a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, maybe, I, maybe. I but I, th- I think, knowing Josh Taylor as I slightly do, I think 
he wants to go back to the scene of the crime. He doesn't yeah. want the excuse. I don't think mm. he'll churn out an excuse in, in the aftermath. Well, that uh, says a lot about him. I mean, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a big Josh Taylor fan. Sure. Right? Yeah, I don't like his attitude recently. Um, because no, when, you, when Josh wasn't getting all the attention that he should have got, by the way, and he was travelling under the radar, yeah. and we were pushing back, going, where's the big broadcaster speaking yeah. up? Why is he stuck out on Channel 5 or whatever mm. it was at the time? Yeah, they had fine TV for his big Yeah, absolutely. Right, and, and Josh was happy to hear all that. When we were saying, hang on a second, Josh, I think that you know, necessarily you might not have won that fight, got all spiky and nasty. Mm. Perhaps I understand that because no one likes to be told something they don't want to hear. Um, but... You look at it now, and I think there's something to be said for Josh. If he's taking it at 140 because he wants to have no excuses, yep. then then that means that Josh is really focused on this. And my view, you've got to respect that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've seen Jack's um, attitude in the, in the build-up, and I don't know whether it's the, how they really feel. I know they dislike one another, um, but he's a little bit different than he was in the first build-up. In the first one, he was much more sit back, okay, that's what you think, because mm -hmm. Josh had disdain for him. Mm -hmm. He didn't, shouldn't be in the same ring as me, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and the gloves are off, he kind of like, you, you're just, who are you? you know, I'll give you the opportunity. If you look you at the resume, quick, that's yeah. your lot, right? Yeah. It's a whole different set of rules now. But when you look at it, and you think about it, you think that Josh going in at 140 is difficult for him because he's draining to get to that weight, yes. and it will create a challenge for him. I, I personally think this, I, I think Josh Taylor this time round will be a different animal than a Josh Taylor that psychologically went into the fight with Jack Catcher and then found himself having to climb up a, a mountain because he had underestimated the fella. Mm -hmm. Where are you, Adam, on it? Do, I mean, uh, do you think that Catchwell can beat him this time round? Yeah. Well, I think he beat him first time, right? Let's yes. be clear. Right? Yes. Do you think he can get the win that he should have gotten first time round in this fight? Or do you think Josh Taylor now knows what he's facing? Off the back of Tiafimo Lopez is kind of looking loss. If he doesn't win this fight, Josh is on a fast train to nowheresville, isn't he? I think they both are. They both, this is such a big fight for the pair of them. If Jack Catterall doesn't beat Josh Taylor, where does he go? Yeah. But and, from, you, and from a Josh Taylor point of view, with what you just said there, I think he's... I say this contrary with all the other fighters. I think he needs emotion. I think mm. he needs to feel something when, he, when he's going in there. Yeah. He obviously has a real dislike for Jack. He's got a point to prove because the whole audience, the boxing audience, believes that he lost uh, the first one. And I agree with you. I think you're going to see a completely different guys, animal coming guys, into this fight. Guys, I think you're forgetting, though, when you know he got his opportunity against Teofimo Lopez in his last fight at 140, Madison Square Garden, big moment for him. If he can't get himself up for them fights, why was the performance no good in that fight? Because he didn't perform in that fight either. So now you've got, you've got to look at it and go, is he on the slide? Is he on the way down? Or is it the, the weight, weight that's affecting yeah. him? Because you can't say the Teofimo Lopez fight. He, he performed like he did against Jack Catchell. He mm. underperformed. And there's a reason but for that. But Tiafimo Lopez what was brilliant. That? I was going to yeah, say, man, is that more about Tiafimo Lopez? He was brilliant about that, I think he under, underperformed as well. You've got to look at what he was doing as well and just go, there's a consistency there in those two fights when you look at those performances and there's a reason behind it. There's, there's, it's either he's on the slide and he's not as, far, as good as what he was mm. or 140, he's killing him. I personally think it's 140. I think at 147, he would be a much better fighter because his frame's too big for 140. And I think that, that him making that decision to fight at 140 in this fight is his undoing. In conclusion, who are you going with? Um, going back to what you asked me right at the start of the show, the best version of this is against the best version of that. If the best version of Josh Taylor turns up, he wins the fight. Mm. It's a huge word, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. It is. But listen... Look at that guy's resume. Look at who he's no, beaten. Look at I, what I'm he's done. That. Look at what he's achieved. He's in a pound-for-pound star. If the best version of Josh Taylor turns up, he will win the fight. The question is that what you're saying is, is the best version still there? So the best version of Josh Taylor, we've got to go back to 2021 
when he beat Ramirez and you looked at that and you go, wow, brilliant. The fight he had with Regis Progray at the O2 in 2019, incredible performance. Mm. 2021, but that's a long time in, like, yeah. in a boxer's life. He's okay, 33 yeah. years of age now. You know, you've got to look at all this and you're looking at your performances and you go... What you say? There's no splinters, mate. I'm saying Catrell. I'm not saying if the best version of him turns up. I'm going Catrell wins. Even if the best version uh, of Taylor turns up. What do you mean the best version? No, I'm going on last performances and okay. I'm, I'm not even the, and the performance before the last one. Okay. So you're saying Jack Catrell? Catrell wins, yeah. Okay. By what? Points? Catrell, yeah, points, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he doesn't get him out of there. Catrell wins points. Okay. I'm glad Jack's got his shot. Where are you going? Yeah, by the way? he should I'm have had it. I'm yeah, glad he's got his shot, and it's a sad. It's, it's sad that the, when the the opportunity there was for all the belts that went by the wayside because that would have been a moment for him. But I can't help but think that Josh Taylor um, is the better fighter, and this time round, Josh Taylor will be better prepared mentally. Albeit, I take your point about Tiafimo Lopez, and I take the two luckluster performances against Jack Catron and Tiafimo Lopez. I take Adam's point about how good Lopez is. I just think. That, that Jack won't have enough and that Josh will do a, will do a number and stop him. It's a big shout. It's a big shout. At least it's a great fight, yeah. yeah. We, we need rivalries like this. Mm. Good we do. Rivalries. We, need a bit, we need a bit of spite, a bit of menace, a bit of bad intentions. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think the boys are coming in fight. later on in the week to talk to us. So <laughs> we we'll look forward yeah. to that, absolutely. You might need you for security, mate. Yeah, all right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, let's move on from Taylor Catchell, which I think we, uh, we've kicked around now and we're all excited by. Um, the president of the Clown College, sorry, I mean Mauricio Solomon, <laughs> right? um, he's come out and talked about VAR in boxing and the pre his preparedness to embrace it. I wonder why that is. Um, but Ben Shalom talked about it about a year ago, the, and I think it was directly, ironically, off the back of the Taylor Catrell yeah, fight and the need to perhaps look at that. What's your take on VAR in boxing and how it could be utilised, Adam? I'm not for it. I, 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 my thing regarding officiating in boxing is that we need a unified scoring criteria. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously people know that I cover MMA. In MMA, you have a unified scoring criteria. So therefore, every single judge is working towards a, a particular set of scoring criteria. In boxing, you don't have that. If you go on the WBA's website, they'll mm -hmm. say, we look for this. If you go on the British Boxing Border Control website, we look for this. I think a unified scoring criteria and better education for officials and mm. transparency with audience as well so therefore they know exactly how something is being scored is the way forward uh, var i think i, I think var works for situations like clashes of heads why would, elbows, why would boxing in your elbows, view be the only sport heads, every sport cuts every I'm sport talking about every sport embraces technology yeah yeah so why would you want the sport of champions not to have technology in it because we're I seeing never said bad I didn't decisions. want it. No, I didn't not want it. For example, in the state of Nevada, the um, video replay is, is available in MMA, for example, right. and they use it for exactly what Spencer just referred yeah, to. Yeah, accidental head clashes. Uh, was it or was it not? That's when it should be brought in. That, that's the, that's the only reason. If you should not for scoring purposes. No, scoring absolutely purposes, not for scoring. I don't know the judges and the judges that and get the, it wrong. And the Usyk Dubois situation would, that, be, would be an would ideal. Would be point. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that would change. You know, that would that would change a lot of results. I think it, I think that's beneficial for the sport to bring that in. Um, I think that that I mean, would It's a work. big call, isn't it, for him to be... I mean, it's a point of differentiation, and I can understand why the Saudis are wanting to do it and why Suleiman, on the back of the biggest fight now, you've got the first undisputed heavyweight championship in the world since 1999, right? Mm. So 25 years, a quarter of a century. Mm -hmm. But it's a big fight to bring it in on, isn't it? 
in terms of you get it wrong or anything goes up, it goes on with the technology that creates, well, creates I think we've got, something I think, contentious. I think we've got a situation now, haven't we, with, with Tyson Fury, the WBC champ, is that he's had that cut in training. That's, that's going to be, you know, that, that's going to be soft tissue when he goes into this fight. God forbid that opens up during the fight and it opens up and they're not sure how that opened in a clinch. They come out of a clinch or whatever. Was it head clash? Was it I an elbow? Was it? I'm not overthinking it. I'm just saying it just seems well, funny that it's been bought. <laughs> Can I just finish? Anyway, right. Yes, I think, they, I think that they may bring that in for that purpose. You know, this is the first undisputed fight since 1999. Mm. And I think that there's a lot on the line with this. Tyson Fury's got his, you know, his own problems at the moment. And that may be a reason. It's a significant fight. It's a huge fight. It's probably the right fight to, you think so? to bring something in. Mm. As long as I'm not over-reliant on it. Like I said, my, my gripes with the way that fights are officiated. Rather so you're than, sort of agreeing with me a little bit? I'm, as long as it's not used for... Like no, you say, no, the no, low blows, the cuts, and yeah. all those types of things. That's, that's cool. That's what you need it for. Cool. That's all you need it for. The calling of the fight for Adam Azim against Dalton Smith. Yeah. You like that? I think it's a phenomenal fight. Yeah. At the start of the year, I made a wish list of all fights that I'd love to see in certain weight divisions, and Adam Azim and Dalton Smith is absolutely one of them. Um, Are you worried think... about the last couple of performances from Adam? A little bit, yeah. yeah. And that's why I don't think this fight will happen. Um, I know that the British Boxing Board of Control have called it. Uh, the EBU, uh, EBU, EBU called yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, where Adam's holding that belt. If I'm if I'm absolutely brutally honest, I think Adam has exceeded expectation to where he maybe should be at this le at this well, amount of fights so far. European level's a serious level. This man will tell you it's yep. a, it's where some serious fighters knock about. Do I think now that he's got to European level, he's ready for world level next? Not just yet. I think there's a lot of treading water to right. be done and learning still at that stage. Mm -hmm. Dalton Smith is in a hell of a fight against Zepeda. Zepeda's been there, done it, and got the T-shirt. Yep. Still young enough to maybe make a bit of a run of it himself. I think he's only 33 Decent years fighter. of age. He's a great fighter. Decent fighter. This feels very similar to when we talk about Josh Taylor before. When, when they matched Josh Taylor with Victor Postol, I was like, well, do they not like Josh Taylor? This is crazy, man. Sticking oh. him in with this guy. This stage, 10 fights in. Josh came through, absolutely shone, and there was no looking back. On, onwards we go towards world title level. If Dalton Smith beats Zepeda and he beats him in a good fashion, yep. he ain't coming back for Adam Azim. He's on his way. He's on his way to mm. the very, very top level. He's got elite amateur pedigree. Dalton Smith is a very, very talented lad. <clears> and <throat> I think if he can beat Zepeda, the fight with Adam Azim isn't going to happen, sadly, at this stage. Might happen down the line because they're both young kids, aren't they? Mm -hmm. But right now, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, interesting. I, I would like to see that fight happen. I think that, like you say, Adam Azim reaching European level, you, you go now, he's not going to be blowing kids away. He's not going to be knocking them over the way that he has been doing. And now it's all about the development stage, learning on the job in many respects. Don't step up to world-class level. Don't do that. But I think that Dalton Smith's at that sort of level as well. I think he's just a bit off it as well. Sabida's a great test for him, and I agree with that. And if he does come through that, I still think he needs more fights. And I think that the fight, for me, I think that's a great fight to make. I'd love to see the... Do you, you think it'll happen, though? I think it will. I think it can happen. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you, do you, do you think Ben Shalom will put Adam Azim in with Dalton Smith? Yes. I do. Okay. Would Shane McGuigan put him in, do you think? Want him in there? Because I mean, Shane, Shane, I, was, yeah, very, Shane was very boisterous and ebullient about... Adam Azim, the last time I saw mm -hmm. him, and speak, and of course, you, when you've got the young man sitting next to you, you're going to be very positive about yeah. it. But there was this like, there was one place we're going, and we're going yeah. to the stars, right? And we'll take the moon on the way up. I think Adam Azim I, and I think, Shane. I think the last couple of fights, or certainly one fight, and then the middle fight was better, and then the last fight we saw yeah. Um, yeah. Um, wasn't that great either, have 
perhaps maybe just arrested the progress mm -hmm. of Adam Azim, maybe given a little bit of sense of, okay, we need to take our time a little bit and build this out. The, the perfect person to compare that to is AJ. Mm. So AJ's good amateur pedigree, got, mm -hmm. got himself the Olympic gold medal. They took a chance early doors with the Charles Martin fight, mm. didn't they? So the chance is now. Let's go now. Yeah. Then the development of Anthony Joshua kind of stalls because he's the world champion. There's a big target on your back. Yeah. And you're in the big fight straight away now, man. You're learning on the job. Mm. You don't want to have a look at that and go, okay, yeah. let's not get there yet. He's 21. What is he, 21? Yeah, 22. I think he's just turned Take 22. Take your time. Mm. But listen, I, I agree. But don't you think Dalton Smith is at a stage where, where they're sort of I think he's further parallel. along. I think he's further along, mate. I think they'll I think it's a great. Along. I think it's a great fight for both of them. Uh, mate, if they made the fight, I'm in. Yeah. But I just you think I that both camps don't want to take the risk. I think Dalton Smith would take it. Mm. I think Adam Azim would take it. Let's see. I'm very confident they would take it. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I'm sort of very confident. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Canelo, Adam, last question. Yeah. No opponent yet. Yeah. Uh, the only fight that he should be having is David Benavidez. That's Agreed. Um, I know that he's signed this deal with PBC. He's just done Jamel Charlo, the guy that was the undisputed champion at 154 pounds. Quite evident yeah. that he just came for a pair day and just mm. took the Canelo yeah. door. We're now talking about Jamal Charlo. That's even worse. Yeah. Okay, the guy's fighting at 160 and he's been the WBC champion there for, for time, but he's had one non-title fight in three years. He's had massive troubles All outside, sorts of, problems. of the, outside yeah. the ring where alcohol and all sorts of yeah. bits and bats. He's not in the right frame of mind to be fighting someone like Canelo. I think that's a joke of a fight if they, if they make that. There's Jaime Munguia, who's just, obviously mm. he was the 154 champion. He had a flirt at 160, he's now at 168 and he's looked really, really good. Mm. So an all Mexican clash, maybe that is, that could be made. But for me, absolutely, no doubt whatsoever, David Benavidez is the fight for, for Canelo Alvarez. Can, yeah, Are we done with Canelo now bouncing up the weight classes and and all of that yeah, nonsense. We were listening to this nonsense before he went up and got put in his place a little bit by Bivol yeah. at that weight class that we were going to see him at cruiserweight and then we were going to yeah. see him all no, that. Forget that. that. That's all gone now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And rightly so. Adam's right and Benavides is the fight. You can look at Canelo and, and the career that he's had and you go, now he's only, you know, he only wants to fight the best and this is, he's in the twilight of his career. Benavides is the fight. You know, it's a serious fight. Yeah, the, the, the fight for fight fans is tremendous, but also from a Canelo point of view. If you, if you look at what Floyd did to Canelo, he got Canelo at the right time. And every time Canelo fights now, fight fans are always reminded of Floyd. His, mm. his name lives on past retirement. Yeah. This is the great Floyd Mayweather. If Canelo goes and does Canelo things against David Benavidez, Benavidez is still going to fight for another five, six, mm. seven, mm. eight, nine, ten years and probably become the king of the super middleweights. But every time Benavidez fights, if he's been beaten by Canelo, Canelo's legacy will, will live on. I think it's a perfect fight for fans, and it's the fight for Canelo to keep you, that legacy going. Do you think Canelo beats Benavides? I think it's a very, very tough night because Benavides isn't just big; his feet are absolutely yeah. outstanding. I fancy Benavides in that, to be honest. I probably do as well, but we're talking about the great Canelo here, man. Absolutely. Oh, I was going to say, you two boys are talking about Canelo Alvarez and and, yeah. and potentially um, CD yeah. a, a defeat for him. I don't see past Canelo Alvarez at the moment. I think he might do him with a body shot. There's a lot of real estate mm -hmm. there, isn't there? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Interesting. great fight. Let's make it. Right, that's it for episode 61 of Talk Boxing, a episode where I've actually enjoyed it and learned something, Spence. <laughs> and you smiled for the and first smiled time. And didn't look bored. So we'll see you next time we're out.